0: He used to hit me up from the subway line, right? And yep. he would just call me, and I knew he was in line. And he'd put the phone on speaker, and I'd talk to the lady working. I say hey, meatball. He wants a meatball. And they're like, six inch or foot log? I'm like, look at him. He wants
1: a foot log. So,
0: get him a meatball foot log. Boom. Every time.
2: Indeed, deep. This is something we've been looking forward to for a long time, right? Haas and I go way back, I'm gonna tell you all about that, but World Series champion, multiple gold gloves, uh, Silver Slugger Award, I mean, all-star game, MVP. I could keep going, right? This man's accomplished a lot, very proud of him. We're in, his, we're in a beautiful man cave, House of Haas. Uh, Digging deep podcast. This is what we've been looking forward to for, for quite a while without even knowing it. Um, I'm not hosting the show. I'm just sitting in today to get this started because we have a lot to talk about. Um, has you and Sua have a relationship. Uh, you and I have a relationship. So I wanna talk about that a little bit, just so everyone kind of knows who we are and why we're doing this, uh, but we got a lot more to talk about. So I wanna hear about how you two met because it's a pretty funny story actually.
1: Yeah.
0: Great story. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 2022, right, was one of the best years of my life. At the same time, it was one of the toughest years of my life. So I'm with San Diego, I'm with the Padres. Um, trade deadline rolls around. I get traded San Diego to Boston. Um, tough, you know, I've been there for a couple years already. We had built a pretty good foundation over there, pretty good team. Um, teams in the playoff hunt, you know, a lot of stuff's going on good over there. And they go make a big move and they make their team a lot better. And, you know, I get shipped off to Boston. So Casey, my wife, is about six, seven months pregnant at this point in time. So. You know, I'm on the flight the next morning, like meet the team in Kansas City, ironically. Um, Case has got to pack up the whole entire house. We got to find a house in Boston. We got to find a place to stay. Got to find a doctor, got to find an OB. Where's this baby gonna be born? All that type of stuff, right? So that same year in Boston, I get there and, you know, I'm playing for the Boston Red Sox, one of the most storied franchises in, in all the sports, right? So I'm fired up for this opportunity. Uh, about two weeks into it, my back just blows out. And this is the first, you know, Big time injury I've had in my career that's kept me off the field and and made me miss time. So I'm bummed out about this. And uh, that year ends up ending. You know, we don't make the playoffs, we fall short of that. Um, so that at the end of that year, I talked to Heim Bloom, who's the GM of the Red Sox, and he tells me, listen, we're going to try and trade you. Uh, we got a young kid that's a stud, Tristan Costas, who is he's a stud. He's, he's the real deal. He's going to be our guy next year. If, if we can't trade you, then You know, we're probably gonna release you and and see what happens after that. So, you know, that's the end of that season. I end up getting released. They don't find a a spot for me to go as far as a trade happens. So Jack, my son's born, unbelievable. We're in Boston for about two, three months. The offseason flies by, right? So we got about a month and a half left. I signed with Chicago with the Cubs. Um, I'm going out to Malibu, California. Marlin Bird, he's one of the best hitting coaches in the game. I mean, this guy's He's proven, he's been with some guys that have made some big time changes and you know, he's helped those guys along the way. So I said, you know what, I'm going all in. I'm gonna go all in this year. I'm gonna get my back right. I'm gonna go out there and hit with Marlin. I'm gonna make stuff happen, right? So one night, Case and I go to, Malibu, uh, go to Nobu in Malibu and years and years prior leading up to this, I've heard about this uh, mental skills, performance skills coach, whatever we call it in Tampa. A legend. So so we're at Nobu, Case and I, we're having a great dinner. All of a sudden Sua walks in and I'm like, man, I've seen this dude before. Like, I don't know if he's a basketball player. This dude's got some height on him. I know I've seen this dude. I don't know where, but I've seen this dude. And I don't know where, but it was weird. So we eat the dinner. We leave. I check my Instagram about an hour later. I get a message from Sua. It's like, hey, were you just at Nobu? And I'm like, dude, I knew for a fact that I saw someone in there I knew, but I didn't know it was you. So Blake Snell was my locker mate in San Diego. He slid into your DMs. He pretty much slid into DMs. In the most respectful way possible, (laughs) right? So Blake Snell, my locker mate in San Diego, is telling me how this guy just helped him so much throughout his career, how he changed the game for him mentally. And that's the new thing now, that's the new wave. These young cats, are their their mental game is strong and they have someone that they can lean on and talk to outside the organization where they feel like they can trust them. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna start talking to Sue, man. I wanna I wanna to talk to you, I wanna create a dialogue. I wanna, you know, I wanna see if I can, you know, go all in, like I said, and really get the mental game going and that type of stuff. So, long story short, that's how Sue and I created this relationship, and here's where we are now. I know it was really cool when we were trying to fill out this
2: podcast and put good people in, in these seats. And Sua, your name came up multiple times. We even heard about it through other players in the league, right? Snell was telling you about him. Uh, everyone speaks so highly of you. So I mean, look at formally. I'm excited to have you on here and welcome you to this show, which again, is not gonna be so much of a formal situation. right? We're here to sit down, have deep conversations, dig in deep, right? We wanna dig in just like we dig into the batter's box. When you get in there, you focus, you grind, but we wanna talk about as much as we can about people beyond the sport. And I think you bring a huge uh, perspective when it comes to that. And I'm excited to hear you talk about things, man. Yes, yeah,
1: like. yeah it, it, it was interesting about that. So, we were in we were in Malibu because my daughter has her TV show for the Disney Channel. She was she she just wrapped, so we just got done with shooting the show. This is a whole another story, this, yeah, so she, yeah. So, yes, it's yeah, a whole, stu- whole, oh, whole nother yeah, yeah. story. And so, we wanted to celebrate. We're like, all right, sweetheart, where do you want to go to celebrate this? She the Disney Channel, nobody. she's a 14 year old little girl. We're thinking, <laughs> it's a pizza, uh, uh, for her favorite burger joint. She's like, Nobu Sushi. We're like, Nobu sushi. We're Like, I don't even know what Nobu Sushi is. Knows, and yeah. so she's like, I wanna to go to Nobu Sushi. So we're like, okay. So we get up, get all dressed up, go to Nobu. And I, it's so funny, cause we walk by you and your family and we sit down and my, my son and my, my wife, they're like, oh, we think that's a fa- famous couple. That's a famous couple. I'm like, <laughs> and we're all like, kind of like looking at you. We're like, we look at seeing you and the whole family was there, I believe. Yep, yep. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, I think that's Eric Hosmer. And my and like they're like no way I'm like no I think it is and so see you guys leave and again and I slid right in your DMs afterwards <laughs> but I go in I go into Instagram and I see that you were following me I was following you I was like oh but I've heard from you from from uh, from uh, our buddy Greeny uh, Joey yes. Greeny oh, as well man, we heard from a lot greenie. of different people as well and and so yeah and I see you and then and then once we we connect and started talking but that's what excites me about this podcast is just the storytelling that's yeah. one thing I, i've loved is just hearing people's stories and there's it's more than what fans see and just that, that that showed on on the field or uh showed on the court but it's it's the stories of how people got to where they are which excites me about 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 this
2: no doubt and and Green is a perfect segue into like our history right joey greenie who is speaking of uh, Strength, strength coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. You were with the Tampa Bay Rays. Joey Greeny goes back to our Kansas City Royals days when we were when we were young in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. Greeney was the man pumping us up, trying to get us in the gym. The guys that didn't care to work out, he'd have in the gym, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But we go back to 2008 you signed, right? When you were 18 so years me. old. Yeah. I mean, I think we actually met in 2009 when we were in high A, and we were in high A, and I remember you. we were rooming together in Lynchburg on the road. And like, it's one of those hotels where you you walk into the rooms from the outside, right? Like this, we're we're roaming around the minor leagues. Not there's no high level uh, Ritz-Carltons or anything we're staying in. And you you were having an eye issue. You had to leave that trip to go get your LASIK done, and then you come back like two days later, and you're you're raking, and you're like, wow, I can see. Like <laughs> that's like how did this guy go hit figure. as well as well did? And I swear from there on, I mean, you were in the big leagues in no time. It seemed like from then, because you were 19 then, probably in the big leagues by 21. So like. Again, we go back through coming up through the minor leagues, winning championships, which was awesome and you know to the extent of what I got to experience going up through AAA, this guy got to win at the highest level. but our relationship goes back that far and I think it was really cool to get to this point um, in his storied career. but you know kind of tailing off at this point. you know I'm done. I've been done for almost 10 years, but Haas you know just this past year was with uh, the Cubs and got released for the first time, like officially didn't have a job and you know, this is a different situation for
0: you. It is. And we've always talked about doing something along these lines, you know. Like I was telling you earlier, spring training, you do these these videos for the jumbotron that comes on in the games in the middle of the season, and you know, guys are trying to get in and out and do it as quick as possible. And, you know, Telly would always just kind of sit in that room and watch how the cameraman, watch how the production, how all that stuff <laughs> I'm went like, down. I'm like, how you do that? How you so do that? <laughs> and then in double A, when Vine started, he'd make these little 10-second videos about him disappearing or doing something crazy and we're all like man how you know he would have some fun team meetings where he would bring in that creativity Mm -hmm. and do that stuff so we always talked about doing something along these lines and um you know this year back to 2023 now I'm with Chicago and get released around May end of May and you happen to be in Chicago a week later so my agent Scott calls me tells me we have a couple more opportunities that I can think about or I can think about playing and doing stuff but the back still not feeling all the way there and mentally after that 2022 year i'm a little drained right so i'm like you know what scott i want to take the rest of this year off i want to i want to be there with my family i want to clear my head mentally um that year in 2023 the season had jumped off you're working with tampa you know i felt like i was kind of taking you away from your primary job and, and we had a great dialogue going but at the same time it's like once spring training breaks there's so much going on in the season that You know, your downtime, I respect your downtime. So we really didn't get to create that dialogue. And one of the big things I learned was, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's not, you know, hey, I had two good days. I don't need to talk to Sua now. I had this one bad day at the field. Let me call Sua and ask him why. Mm -hmm. I just figured, you know, that was the mental part of the game. And I had no idea, but it's a lifestyle, man. And it's something that you truly got to take with you at home. You got to take with you with your family. You got to wake up in the morning and treat that the same. So, 2023 season i really just took the whole time off to clear out and get everything right um you know here we are in the next up and coming season and you know it's just a lot going on that for me i'm a first baseman i'm a a left-handed hitter there's not much value i can bring a team unless i'm playing 150 something games throughout the year and i'm at the point now where i just don't feel like i can do that my body can't withhold that so The playing days are are unfortunately over which which i'm cool with i'm I'm great with but at the same time i still want to i still want to give back i still want to reach and and really you know lead some of these young guys and this is what i'm excited for and i hit up telly right when i was done i said you know i want to start a podcast i want to start instilling this winning mentality in guys in a day and age where everything is so individualized from high school you go to these tournaments you get a full breakdown on individually how you did to the minor leagues to to pro ball getting paid so how can we you know really instill that that mental toughness of being a winner and being a team guy in comes justin sua i (laughs) I told telly man i met this guy justin sua met him kind of not really but we were in the same building at some point and then we talked on the phone and I just felt this team and what we got going on right now, we can reach a lot of people and we can make a big difference. So I'm excited to get it going.
1: Wow. That, well, that's that first of all, like, congrats on the decision and congrats on the career and congrats on that's um, exciting for everything that you're about to do as well. Talk about that process like that. I'm, I'm just curious out of curiosity that that the process to come to that. You said, yeah, you're good now. But
0: what, what went into your decision making capability? Like, who were the people who, who helped you with that? I mean, it's something that, you know, I, I was thinking about daily, you know what I mean? And I was trying to figure out what the best thing for me, what the best thing for my family can be. And, you know, I was watching the uh, Jason Kelsey documentary and, and Jason Avant, the wide receiver on there, was talking about retirement and how he knew he was done was the fact that he had to think about it. And the fact that he had to think about it, he knew he wasn't, he wasn't mentally there. And we know we've been in big league clubhouses. We've been in big league dugouts. If you're not all in, and if you're mentally, something isn't there and you're not 110% locked into what you're doing, you're competing against the best. And for me personally, these spots on these rosters are so valuable in my opinion, that I don't wanna be, I don't wanna be taking up a spot unless I'm 110% in. And the reality of it was, I just, I wasn't, you know what I mean? So that's where I still wanna be involved in the game. I still wanna either manage, be in the front office, run a team or something. And that's so, what's so unique about Digging Deep is we're gonna be able to talk to some people, not only in baseball, the business world, other sports, that mentally and their routine and their, their day-to-day process is all about leading and then some of the most successful people that you know in our circle. So I'm excited to really dive into that and dig deep. That's awesome. Did, did that start
2: with just the release of the Cubs or have you, did it go back further when you, you, know, when you left the Padres and you go to Boston, and you don't know how long that's going to last. You're only on a year deal, or whatever it was, right? Did it go back that far? Or were you, is, was it like finally, I, I actually got released?
0: Yeah, it's 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 different. You know, San Diego was tough, man. Like I said, I had, you know, Case and I. We had so many ties there. People in the city, friends on the team. You know, we became family at some yeah. point. So it's definitely not easy when the team wants to upgrade and they're shipping you out. But in reality, someone owns this team. This is their team. At the end of the day, that's what they want to do. So that's just the reality of the business, you know, it's a beautiful profession, but it's a tough business. Um, So that's, you know, that was that. That was hard. That was hard to deal with. But at the same time, you know, I think that's something that, you know, I learned, man, like, I just got to move on from this, you know, I'm I'm loyal to my friends. I'm loyal to everybody, the teammates. But at the same time, it's their decision. There's no control I can have over that. So that was, you know, the beginning of it. I think that was mentally what kind of, made me not 110% all in, not complaining about the situation or not complaining about what happened. just hard to really bounce back from that. And that's why, Mm -hmm. Telly, with you, I've always had so much respect in you and your path coming up in the minor leagues. You know, you weren't a top prospect. You weren't ever a a touted guy that you pick up Baseball America and say, hey, we got this guy, Anthony Sertelli, in high A, double A, low A, whatever it is. So I grew a whole new appreciation for that, especially this past year in Chicago. You know, I was treated great over there, but... it felt like I was the 25th, 26th man on the roster. And to have that feeling, my whole career, I was the first round pick, I was the high prospect, I was the young rookie that can build this team and do that. So I knew what it was, how people treated me and all that. So now you fast forward and you're that 26th man on the roster, I get how much harder that is for you to move up throughout the rankings. And that's something I've always appreciated with you. Think about having that like your entire career, no matter what level Mm -hmm. you're at. Like you're always like,
2: man, I could be on the chopping block any day, right? I'm not. And it's unfortunate, but it's business, right? Like yep. you get a guy that comes in for millions of dollars, they're going to get a chance before a guy like me did, right? You had to kind of earn that spot and make sure you kept you kept around any way you can. I played every position for that reason. I switch hit for that reason. It's like, man, I don't got the skills to just get up there and hit bombs. I don't have the skills to just be the like stud shortstop that's scooping everything over there. So I just had to do it all, and thankfully that kept me on the field and kept me around. And maybe maybe I was a good teammate, and I think the Royals like that. So you know, I. Couldn't be more thankful for the Royals giving me a career out of doing that. And I got to stick around the entire time, which, by the way, I'm going to give myself some credit in that. This is one thing I think is even harder than getting the big leagues, and I know very few people that did. I can mention a couple like uh, Ed Lucas, maybe even like a Kurt Mertens, you know, guys we played with. You know, Ed. But playing seven years on your first minor league contract without getting called up, getting put on a 40 man, getting released. Rule five, not doing any of those things, getting actually through it is hard, Is actually harder than getting to the big league. So I'm going to uh, give myself a round of yeah, applause yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't got much else to go by. But uh, yeah, no. no, but like the career itself was amazing. I mean, I got to meet you, Haas. I got to meet so many people and travel all over the world. I played in Japan. I played in Colombia. I played in Mexico. It's led me to where I am today, thankfully. But I think that's something too, and I'm sure you talked to all the young guys about this, is like, The relationships you build are obviously just as important if not more than what you're doing on the field obviously financially what you do on the field is very important for your you know setting up your life but the people you get to meet and the the experiences you get are beyond like i honestly i mean i'm trying to build that same scenario now right and we could talk about this a little bit more and what we're doing Mm -hmm. with the media side of things is i've always looked at it as i want to rebuild that 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 clubhouse feel right i love that and how many guys will tell you this i'm sure you know how many guys will tell you I don't miss the game that much, but I miss being around my boys. I you're miss being talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's true, right? Like that's you—you you play so much, thousands of games or thousands of innings at bat. I mean, tens of thousands, even when you depends on what stat you're looking at. It's like you get—it's—it's it's all good. You get over that. You don't get to do that anymore. Actually, your and your body physically can't take it, so it's like no big deal. But you don't get tired of being around your friends and sharing moments and laughing, and you know that's that part sucks to get rid of and. It's even crazier with baseball. I, I like talking about this too, because I don't think people realize when they're not in the game or in a sport like, maybe, I'm trying to compare what other sports might be like this, but baseball specifically, we play every day, right? That's what's different from, than other sports. And I, I like that about what we're doing. It's, you know, uh, it's from a baseball perspective. And I'll, you'll hear me mention that a lot, but um, we, we spend every day together, whether it's at home or at the field, you know, or, you know, wherever we are at home, you know, mm-hmm. wherever that home, home city is. Or at the field, you spend actually every day together. There's no off days, yeah, you know, barely. But you spend six, seven, eight, nine, ten months sometimes together. And I swear that last game, you make or break. It's a make or break game to get in the playoffs. If you lose, an hour later, some guys are gone. Their bags are packed and they're going home in their car, right? And you ne- may never see them again. You just spent eight, nine months with these people. Like really getting to know them and you may never see them again. It's the weirdest thing. And some of the relationships obviously you hold on to, but like to build that much of a bond with somebody, actually be around them every day, share these moments and then, then just gone. Not that you couldn't keep in touch, but 25 guys plus because you got guys rotating in and out. It's not quite possible to keep up with everybody. Some guys are just like out of your life and it's the weirdest thing. But you spend so much time together in baseball. I think like the relationships you build are so important. Um, and that's obviously, like I said, led us here. So,
1: yeah, which, which, is, everything you're saying is so true. And people who have played sport or baseball in particular, minor leagues, that you, grind the grind. The grind in the minor league, some of those yeah, bus what, trips and those hotels. Oh what you're mo- sharing is what you share. It's amazing. And so, and I remember right before we started shooting, you're talking about those relationships. What What do you? How do you look to fill that gap the, the the team camaraderie the the and, and i guess both of you yeah how, how do you guys how do you look to to fill
0: that obviously what we're doing here man but they were such it was such prime years in my life i'm 17 years old i signed a big contract i'm going to minor leagues with the kansas city royals and the group of guys that i'm surrounding myself with i'm going to be on the road with these guys for eight months out of the year fresh out of high school I don't know what it is to be a man. I don't know what it is, how to act. I'm just fresh out of high school, and I have no idea about anything. So what I'm super thankful for is, you know, Dayton Moore and the Kansas City Royals, they pride themselves on character and doing things the right way. So here I am going to the minor leagues with guys like Telly that are still some of my closest friends to this day. Because when you're in the minor leagues, you're going from Burlington, Iowa, to Clinton, Iowa, to the most random places you never think you would be and not everyone has money, not everyone has their family with them. So you're in a hotel with 20 other guys and you wanna have some fun, you wanna do some stuff and you go to hang out with somebody in the room, you go play cards, you go do what you gotta do. And those guys were so big for me because I saw how they acted, I saw how mature they were. Some of these guys had families and they're calling back home, making sure everything's fine, everything's good. So for me, I grew up and I, I had no idea what growing up consisted of. And these guys are trying to make money, they're trying to pay their own bills, they're trying to do stuff. So to this day, these guys in the Myers Leagues with the Royals, they're some of my closest buddies because of how, how much they impacted me on just maturing and mm-hmm. becoming a young adult. The big leagues is different, the big leagues is amazing. It's, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying anything bad about <laughs> yeah. the big yeah. leagues. But the big leagues, everyone's kind of on their own program. Everyone's got money, everyone's got their family in town. When the game's over, people got dinner with their agents, they got dinner with this guy, they, they have a friend in this town, whatever the minor leagues it's that like bond that. Is, is different, yeah. you know? So and for me as a 17 year old kid, signing into minor leagues and having these guys that I can kind of, they can keep me in check and I understand what it is to grow up. That was life changing for me, it really was.
1: Yeah, that's huge. What, what I love from both of your stories and both of your, just the directions, where you both came from, what your careers ended up, where they ended up going, and then how you've just refocused and retargeted your passion. It's not, it's not like, it's it's neat to see guys who retire or just change direction. Like and you're passionate, you still have that same engine. It's just the direction is different. You're you have new goals, you have new 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 things that you want to accomplish. And I just love that. I've heard a lot of professional athletes when they get done with their career, whether it's on their own terms or whether it's through an injury and it's not on their own terms or or whatever it may be they go through this transition period that's so difficult. It's almost like a loss of identity. It's like, who am I now? Like, who, who, what, what, what value can I bring to the world? And what's my goal now? But to see how both of you have navigated that and even combined uh, your respective skill set to, to go in the same direction, have the same vision, it's, it's so fascinating. I can't wait to hear hear more De- about I it.
2: I definitely have seen it both ways, right? You see guys that can't get rid of the game, like whether, and, and that could be a good or bad thing. Right. Like they could right. stay in the game and coach, front office, do anything that keeps them in baseball, or they just get stuck on it and actually don't know what to do next and can't find that next passion, which sucks, I feel that that's terrible to see. And I thankfully, I'm very, very happy that I've discovered two passions, right? I played ball, obviously. I didn't know I was gonna play 10 years. In my second year of playing, I discovered I like making videos, back then it was making videos, it wasn't even making content, right? Like content wasn't even a word, it mm-hmm. seemed. I was making videos, like he said, like. I have a. There's a video that goes back to. I made one of how him and Casey met, and he was swiping on Tinder, and she popped out of the phone. Right, <laughs> we could we could bring that up. But that's, I want to see that. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. show you that sometime. Um, it was a good but one. But like was, I was just goofing around, finding these like visual effects that I liked, and I put a story to it. And again, finding that in my second year of playing, I ended up playing ten years. So I studied for eight, nine years before I got into this career. So mine was like super easy transition. It's like oh, my shoulders not working anymore. What am I going to do? It wasn't even a question. What am I going to do? I didn't have to think about it much. It was just, I physically couldn't throw anymore. It was, it would have been embarrassing to go spring training. It was like right on to the next thing. And it's pretty wild. I think i I could tell you, I probably picked up a baseball. If, if I picked up a baseball 10 times in the last 10 years, that's what it, it's like, so crazy to pick it up every day. as like your job. And then you don't even touch it anymore. But the transition was that easy for me. Like mm. thankfully, um, again, cause I think I found that second passion, which, I hope that guys are playing. If I could say something here that anyone would listen to, please find something else you enjoy doing. It doesn't last forever, and that could be staying in the game. That's fine. Go on and coach, but just know what that is, or at least have an idea, because man, you could be lost after it, like you're saying. You see some people do it, but um, yeah. but that has led us to here, right? I did that for however long while playing, easy transition, and then I go into like building this this production company, Jersey Filmmaker, which is what I I've built for. Um, you know, we do stuff with Fanatics and MSG and the Knicks and really great stuff with big brands and big faces and I'm very proud of that and it's been been great. But what we're now building and what Haas has been able to join in on is um, for the last couple of years been trying to figure out how to create some of our own stuff. So like the only things we've done for as Jersey filmmakers really um, produce for other brands or companies, right? And it was like, man, we always, I think all of us in the office we have a great team that's behind these cameras that most people can't see right now but um, so many people behind the scenes and stuff we've built again that camaraderie that team that I've always wanted to provide for to give them an opportunity to be creative you know sometimes you get held back a little bit by the brands and the jobs right so it's like what can we do that's ours and this is the start of that you know digging deep but there's so much more to it that I want to talk about because I think this is something we all we also want to get out there and off our chest because we have been waiting a long time to do it but uh, you know, in July of last year, as as Haas mentioned, I happened to go out to Chicago, and I and I planned this before you got released. By the way, this wasn't like a scheme. Like he's like, I'm a, I'm a he's, he's out of the game. I can hit <laughs> him up now. now. It wasn't at all it, right? Like I ha- It was like unbelievable timing that I approached him. I definitely was talking to you prior to the release, and I was like, Hey, I got I got a plan now. Like it's time. I like I would never approach you unless I think something's for real and I think I have a way to do this. Um, so I went out there. He happened to get released and. Um, We jumped in pretty quick, so in July we spun up the new business and here we are now um, ready to like put it out to the world and just just to give you a little visual on not just the name, but our new business called Moonball Media Ooh, is official. Go.
0: That's awesome. It's a good looking swing. Yeah. Not bad, right? This swing, this swing, oh, it's
2: a, it's a little wrinkled. It's a little wrinkled, yeah. <laughs> wrinkle, my bad. This swing is based off of Haas' swing. I was going to say, it looks Yeah, It is. Good. Yeah. We, we took a shot of him from like, like down first baseline, him, uh, you know, with the follow through. Awesome. I, I found another one that like my swing kind of looks similar. So, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, yeah, I was like, hey, afterwards, I was like, hey, it's kind of a mix of our awesome. swing. But no, this is Moonball Media, uh, you know, we, we came up with this name, essentially. I mean look, this logo is awesome, I'll hold up again, right? You got the moon man hitting a moon shot with the moon ball, right? And the moon shot is really where this derived from. It was, you know, we want to shoot for the moon, we want to do big content, we want to take, you know, big risks and, and put things out to the world that people are entertained by and enjoy and amplify the, you know, the power of sports stories, right? That's really where we want to live um, in that sports world since that's, you know, where we're, where we're from. Um, And and from a baseball perspective, right? Like I said, I mentioned that before, but you know, I don't think anyone's done it from an MLB, from from Major League Baseball or from an MLB perspective, right? You have LeBron James and and Spring Hill, you have Peyton Manning in Omaha or Brady and Religion of Sports, but no one from baseball has done it to that level yet, right? There's definitely guys doing things, which is awesome, but I feel like we want to be that. We want to be those guys. We want to be that ultimate Major League Baseball media-driven company. Um, and that's our goal, and I think we can get there. And I know that we have the chops because you know we've done it before uh, for those type of platforms and programs. So we're gonna we're gonna do the big premium stuff. We're gonna find big stories and do the documentaries and uh, put stuff on Netflix. And we're gonna do the podcasts on social and like create great partnerships and um, great talent that you know can tell great stories or have great conversations. And uh, we'll have shows on social media platforms. And then we have another bucket that we're gonna live in that helps redistribute and amplify other uh, sports and leagues. We're dealing with youth sports and women's sports. Um, and I can dive into all those at some other point, but we're really trying to bring that all together so that we can focus on great stories through, in all these buckets. And again, kind of circulate that content and reach people wherever they wanna be reached, right? Netflix, YouTube, Snapchat, overseas in, in regions that we don't even know about, right? We just wanna be able to get good stories to good people uh, wherever they want to be wherever they want to be watching so moonball's official man this is oh, for you, that's awesome. So you get, that's awesome you get in on this too that's awesome um and yeah that's where that's where we're going with it so i mean that's just the, the start of it i could talk business all day and like it sounds kind of probably sounds a little too formal but um we're excited man i'm so pumped
0: and that's what what i really love about this process of what we got going on with with everything about moonball is you know, we've had time. This isn't something that we're just throwing together, trying to get something before baseball season, whatever. You know, I got released in May. We've been talking on, we've been talking on Zoom since, since June, talking about how are we gonna get this to grow and how are we gonna do this? And Telly and the crew behind here, their expertise is, is the long form, the documentary stuff, the, the live stuff and all that type of stuff. Um, me and you, we like to lead. We like to, to, to reach out to guys and try and feel like we're helping someone else. You know what I mean? So that's where this Digging Deep really, really comes into play. And I'm really proud of, of being able to start this and launch this right now because, you know, we've been on Zooms with other people, not knocking anybody else, but we just wanted to find that that right team, that mm-hmm. right crew. And and Telly will tell you, you know, that's that'll be a revolving chair. We're going to have other people there that'll be with us, and we're going to have some great guests. But, you know, your reputation throughout the league is there's guys besides the Tampa Bay Rays that catch you up that— that really wanna to get to a place mentally where you know, they're able to go out there and perform with a clear head. When I was a rookie in the big leagues, 2011, the new big thing, it's gonna sound crazy, but the new big thing was weight training, strength mm-hmm. and conditioning mm-hmm. and doing all that. Guys would go home in the off season, hire a trainer, try and get as strong as you can and, and have your muscles last you throughout a course of 162 games. So there's no, there's no tweaks, there's no pulled hamstrings. You're going out there feeling as fresh as you can every day. And now to fast forward that, I think the mental game is so huge. And these guys, these young guys especially, they have someone that they can call back home to and get them mentally prepared to go and take on this battle with so much more out there now with social media, with so much more information. You know, what's some of that stuff that you feel with these guys, like how do we get these guys to buy into that team aspect? And how have you been so successful at doing all that? Well, first of all, I I don't, what's really fascinating about the role
1: that i have been able to play is essentially it's it's not trying to shove any tools or any principles or any of my beliefs on a player's down a player's throat or anyone's throat especially big leaguers you're not going <laughs> to walk. you, who am i to walk into a clubhouse and tell a big leaguer this is how you be, need to be mentally tough i think that's the number one question i always get it's like what do you tell elite professional athletes and the answer is i don't tell them anything I ask questions and let them find the answers themselves. And essentially, you're the hero. The player's the hero. Let me ask a, a well-timed question that can get this player to, to build a relationship of trust in a space where they're safe to think out loud, to know that I'm not gonna judge them. You can say whatever you wanna say, but let's have you navigate it. For example, a player will come up and say, Sue, what do you got on confidence? Or what do you got on quieting my mind? I have so much stuff going on. And then my first question is, what do you got on it? What do you got on confidence? You're in the big leagues. You've been here for X amount of years. What do you got? Well, I believe in this. Why do you believe in that? Oh, what about this? Oh, I used to do, what did you used to do to have confidence? I used to do this. Are you doing it now? Yeah, but not really. Oh, why? And so it's just this constant where it's the, and then the player's done talking or the coach or whoever it may be. And then I'll pause and say, okay, what did you, what what was the biggest takeaway from this performance conversation? And they'll say whatever they say. And I'm like, pause, who said that? Like I did, yeah, you did, not me. I didn't say it. It was you. And so I think that's really where what it comes down to is trying to help instead of pouring into people, it's Mm. pulling out from people and helping them realize they're 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 the heroes. Like you are the hero. You've been through some very hard things, and you can do this. uh, You can you can do this. And uh, and these subtle little nudges to help them think a little bit clearly. But you brought up something that I I actually want to ask both of you this this question. It might be the same, but but one question, if, if a player were to make fun of me, or the kind of like, this, the, the typical SUA questions is why? Why do you do what you do? I, that is, I will always ask that. Why do you do what you do? Or walk me through your process. What, were you, what was your process around that decision? Decision making is huge. You've mentioned it a couple of times about leadership, about giving back. You, 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 Anthony, Telly, you've talked a little bit about why. My question to both of you fellas is, who is this for? Who is this podcast for, and why do you care so much?
0: It's a great question. I mean, being a new father, you know, my son Jack, everything I do, I want him to see, and I want him to to really appreciate, you know, not appreciate what I did on the field, but appreciate how I affected other people. You know, I want him to roll into Chicago and, and have Edwin Rios or Nick Madrigal, two guys that I was on the bench with for most of these games. You know, I want... I want him to know like how I treated those guys and the clubhouse guys, the people around, the staff throughout baseball. I think that's the biggest thing is you want him to know that, you know, hey, your dad had a semi-successful career, whatever you want to call that on the field. But as far as how he treated other people, this guy was, it was something special. And I really want that for, for him. I want that for me because to me, there's no greater compliment than being called a, a great teammate. You know, when when you leave somewhere and someone tells Either media or somebody publicly that you're a great teammate. That's a great feeling, or just word of mouth. You hear it throughout buddies. Hey man, I played with so and so. You know, he says you were great and all that type of stuff, and that's the stuff I think that really, really means a lot. And it's so hard because we're in a in a day and age, in your position, to where a lot of teams now are trying to implement the mental skills coach or the performance skills coach, but the trust isn't really there. You know, guys feel that this guy works for that organization, so I can't really go all in and tell him what I really want to tell him because this might affect my job at the end of the day. You know, these these guys might go up and tell the the organization that I'm not in the greatest mental spot and we gotta get rid of this guy and get somebody in there. And, and that's something that, you know, each player really holds close to them. And that was what was so unique about you and about the Tampa Bay Rays as well is from the outside looking in, the Rays, I mean, <laughs> these guys look like they're loose, they're having a great time. And these guys are all pulling for each other. And, And it's team ball over there and telly and i talk about it all the time this grind of a 162 game season is way too hard to take on by yourself you know if you have the ability to go and he's got some funny stories we got some funny stories from the minor leagues but if you have the ability to go and and laugh at yourself over a couple times where you didn't perform the way you wanted to perform and you have a group of guys that are able to take on that joke with you it makes this grind so much so much easier not that it's easy Mm -hmm. but so much easier to deal with if you You know, and, and luckily I haven't gotten to the point that's, but if you take a 0 for 4 and go back to your locker and you're wearing that by yourself and there's nobody else talking to you and you go home that night, wear it in the room, man, this game's gonna drive you crazy. Oh
2: yeah. I'll, I'll answer your question with a story to start because we just went over this story the other day and it still cracks me up every time I tell it, but, and it's, it's to that point of like having value, right? Having value as a teammate, which, you know, I would have, if I could have been in the big leagues, just because I was a good teammate, I would take that job all day. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's obviously skill set is important, but we were, I think we were in AAA, we were in Iowa playing the Cubs. And, and at this point now, I've played eight years professionally. So it's not like you don't know how to handle uh, failure, you know? But I'll never forget this moment Is one of those that was like just so clear. And every time I see Johnny Giovatella, we talk about this. Um, I think I was, I must have been 0 for 4, 0 for 5, my fourth strikeout of the day. I'm going back into the dugout. At that point, I'm not even mad anymore. I'm just sad. I'm just like, I'm gonna throw my bat, just drop my bat in the thing, my helmet goes in, clubs are coming off. And like I walk down the dugout and everyone's just, you know, parted on, you know, on up on the step or they're on the on the bench. And I walk, I'm walking my head down. I all of a sudden I, I look up and Johnny G is right in my face. Like right in my face, just staring at me, and I can see in his eyes he wants to like give me a hug. Like that's what he's looking at me like. And it's like, you know, just one to have a teammate like that that's like feels for you is one thing. And then I just look at him. You know, Serratelli, Givatella were, were Italians. So I was like, I'm lost, Paisan. I'm lost, <laughs> and he knew it right like, right away, he just laughs and like, gives me that big like, bear hug. And it's just like, having that support as a good teammate and someone you can trust in. like Johnny was a middle infielder. I was a middle infielder. He played second mostly, but I, I moved around. It's the guys, these guys support you, even though you're fighting for the same job. It's the weirdest thing, right? You would think like, you'd be battling with that person. But I lived with Johnny on the road we, we, we talked about everything so having that support like you said you can't do it on your own and the, that um, where I'm trying to get to with your question is what I want from this podcast is providing that value and it's not just not just in sports and I think we'll be on here talking about life, family, business you know, mental conditioning and health or skills uh, this will hopefully provide value for anybody that watches and not just the athletes, not just the guys trying to play not just the youth, not just the professionals. I would love for the the minor league guys be sitting in their room watching this right now, being like, oh, the next episode's on. We, like, we wanna see what those guys are saying. Or the young kid being able to, to get in here and learn something, right? And I think what you're gonna provide too is gonna be unbelievable from, a, from the uh, process and skills perspective for, again, not just athletes, but like life, mm-hmm. business. I, I, I'm gonna take whatever you say from a business perspective at this point, right? I'm not in sports anymore. So I'm super pumped to provide that value to whoever it is that wants to watch this. Um, and, and also, we talked about this too, Eric, was like giving, having a voice that wasn't a media-driven voice, I think is important too, right? We're not gonna have anybody on here and grill them about um, anything they don't want to be grilled about, for one, but two, it's not gonna be like, how did it feel to hit that home run? You know, it's like, let's dive into how it felt to like even get there, you know, or what it was like after, and the things around it. So, and, uh, but also a safe space in a sense, right? Where if there is something going on in their career or life or the media is killing them, like let them come on and speak their mind, right? Like where can they do that? At least baseball players, where do we have that opportunity to do that? I don't know where that is right now and I think this can be that place. So from a baseball perspective, I think we give them that voice and that comfort to come on and talk their mind. Um, But also I think there's gonna be so much value beyond that too with, again, life, business, sports, whatever that is. So that's what that's what
1: I want to get out of it. anyways. that's awesome. I think it's so cool when you when you have a, a purpose, when you have a direction, when you have a why to what you do. It just drives every all your decision, all the uh, it, it's it's neat. And I love when you were describing where the company can go, and all of the content, and all of the the vision that you have for for where this is going to be going. And as I was thinking, as you were talking about moonshot and moonball, like I was like, wow, this is—it's really neat to see uh, the ground level of where this thing could go, and the people you could touch, and the and the and the in the, the eyes and the hearts that that could be affected as a result of the stories that are going to be shared and the principles that are talked about, and uh, that's really exciting.
0: So, like you mentioned, or I mentioned to, to both you guys, you know, I've kind of throughout my career, I've been in a lot of relatable situations to guys. You know, I've been the, the highly touted prospect, the big draft pick. But at the same time, I've been the guy, the bottom guy on the totem pole. And, you know, just like you said, media wise, you know, there's there's a lot of bad media out there right now. And there's a lot of good media out there as well. But there's so much of it. So being able to relate in Kansas City, I was I was the young guy. I couldn't do anything wrong in Kansas City. You know, they loved me out there. Uh, they maybe gave me too much of the credit of what was going on, you know? And then, you know, you fast forward that and and San Diego, I'm coming to a a whole different perspective. You know, I signed a big contract, I'm the guy that's supposed to turn everything around and and I should, you know, when you're getting a big time contract like that, not only do you have to have your level of performance up on the field, but at the same time, you know, I think you have a, a due diligence that you gotta make sure others around you are are doing what they got to do and you got to bring the most out of others around you and you know to me that's what culture is 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 basically trying to get the most out of everybody in the building so you know when i went to san diego i'll be the first to admit the performance wasn't what i wanted it to be wasn't what i envisioned it to be but at the same time you know some of the stuff that was being being written or some of the stuff that i read or people had tell me was you know i wasn't I wasn't doing that due diligence in the locker room i was actually doing the opposite of pulling people apart and that's something to me where i felt like i was on an island right there like i want to tell my story i want to be able to tell people what's what's going on here what's really happening but i just didn't have that platform and i feel like baseball players in general don't have that platform you see a lot of guys in football now you see a lot of guys in basketball that have that ability to have that platform and say hey this is what's really going on there's real quick i'm a giant fan this past year, Saquon Barkley, that's right, baby, G Man. <laughs> Saquon Barkley's going through his contract negotiation, right? So they offer him you know, X amount of dollars for one year. He says no, whatever it is. The media comes out with articles saying, you know, Saquon's not wanting to come back. He turned down this offer, he turned down that, blah, blah, blah. And I was watching Busting with the Boys, it's a great podcast. And The guy Will came out and said, let me tell you how this is really happening, and let me break down how this is all going down. The media has somebody within the organization that they're connected to. The organization is pitching them what they want the fans to see. That reaches millions and millions of fans, and they have this perception of Saquon that's just not true. It could be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not behind the scenes. I don't know what it is. But Saquon didn't have that platform to really go, go explain himself. And Saquon maybe doesn't want that platform to explain it. But I'm at the point now where, and I've felt like this my whole career, you know, if I say something to you about somebody else, I have no problem saying that to the person's face, and that's how I truly feel. So at the end of the day, whether or not the player wants to come on here and explain what the situation is, I feel like I got a pretty good grips of what's going on, and I'll be able to be that voice for these guys, and hopefully take some of that, you know, take some of that heat off these players at some point, to the point where all we want them to do is go out there and perform. You know, these guys are unbelievable at what they do. You got guys that are throwing 100 miles an hour, turning around, hitting the ball 500 feet. These guys should be getting nothing but praise. And you know, the media is one thing Derek Jeter told me on his way out is the media is too negative nowadays. These guys are superstars. These guys are doing stuff. We're on a plane from LA going to Texas, going to this, getting in at this time in the morning. And these guys are still performing each and every day. So I think that's something that I really look forward to is, is being a voice for some of those guys that maybe don't want to explain what's going on, you know? I mean, you, you told me one time, like, there's, there's a chance,
2: like, the players don't even know what's going on in the negotiation at that moment. It, it somehow gets to the press, right? It gets, to, gets in the media. It's like, wait, I, they might not even have heard about that yet because it's the agents negotiating with the team or something. So, like, there's stuff that gets out there where they're, they have no chance to even explain themselves. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. like I'm just about finding out about this myself. No doubt. Which is, yeah, that's, that's and just we'll, stupid.
0: Hopefully, and we will have him on this show. I'll demand yeah. he comes on this yeah. show. But <laughs> my agent, Scott Boris, that's what he is unbelievable at. He takes all the heat for the player. He says, listen, you don't need to pay attention to that stuff. Just trust that what I do for you, I'm working for you. I'm going to get you your value. You just go out and work, and you just worry about baseball. Everything in his agency he has, he's got a strength and, uh, strength and conditioning facility out in California for players to go get stronger, better. He's got mental skills, coaches that you can call, get your mental game right. He literally just wants you to focus on baseball, but I think that's why he's got a reputation of how he is, is because he's willing to take on that heat for the player.
1: It's neat to see that you, because when you're a player, a lot of times you always hear, a lot of times when, when, when teams win, you hear all these accolades, and yes, it takes a village to, to produce a winning organization. And I love when the coaches, when they say, how did you win, and they say, the players. The players are the ones who go out there and play the game. It wasn't this, it wasn't that. As Yes, those things were important. They added to it, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's all about the players. And from what I'm hearing from both of you, it's this is to help those players. Even though the playing days necessarily are over, uh, this is a, 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 gonna be a resource for them to come to, to hear stories about the, going through grinding in the minor leagues and funny stories, and then hearing stories about negotiations uh, uh, with their next contract and how you wanna give players a voice. I just think that's, um, I think that's, that's really cool. It's really, uh, it's gonna be a really great opportunity for players and coaches and fans alike to learn and, and, and apply these, uh, these things to their lives.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, and again, we're not bashing anybody, but at the end of the day, the organization is gonna do what's best for the organization. And I've always grown up being a team guy. You wanna be a team guy, you wanna do what's best for the organization. You know, they'll do stuff sometimes where they'll make it seem like you're not being the biggest team guy. And that can affect guys, you know, guys worry about what their teammates think about them. Guys worry about what the fans think about them. You know, they want to be respected. They want to be well liked. They want to be liked by everybody and they want to have people appreciate what they're doing. So again, this can be a platform where those kids, those guys that feel like they're on that island. There's other people that have gone through this. And that's the big thing I always told young guys, whether it's about mechanics, whether it's about mental, whether it's about whatever, just ask. You know, there's so many times where I played with Robinson Cano with San Diego Padres and the fact that I can get Robinson Cano in the same room as me for two hours every day, whether it was the cage or the lunchroom, I'm asking this guy question after question, growing up a Yankee fan, what was Derek Jeter like? a Rob, what was he like? So ask, these young guys nowadays, they don't wanna get in people's space, which they respected, I get that. But ask these guys, man. People have gone through this, that's what
2: experience is all about. The easiest way to become friendly with these big superstars like an Eric Hosmer is find out what teams they like. The New York Yankees and the New York Giants. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that I wasn't a Giants and Yankees fan growing up being from Jersey, because I was. But when I
0: found that out, I was like, that's my boy. Right there. Oh, that's my so man. true. That is so true. We used to have arguments about Eli Manning being an elite quarterback. with <laughs> Dallas Cowboy fans and Telly right. and I be against 15 different people, but we were yeah. we were standing. There strong were not for too Eli. many Giants fans in the oh, clubhouse. Oh yeah. yeah. Sure. So we were
1: talking about that. Some of the debates that you have in the oh, clubhouse, man. like while you're eating, while like we're crushing spread or whatever, and just debates on the Jordan, oh, LeBron, the Kobe best. debates, the football the debates. Like oh, there's
2: we had yeah. we had oh man. See here go the stories, but in Double A we had moments like, that was when Jersey Shore was popular, right? And not that I know Snooki or anybody, because that's the first question that you right, would right But on, on whatever night they would air on, guys would come into the clubhouse, and I didn't start this, by the way. We have teammates that you know would, would have started this. They take off their shirt, you know, T-shirt time, they take it off, they have the white tank top on, and they'll be pumping their fist watching Jersey Shore. And like those are the sort of things yeah. that, again, brought us together as a team. We had Tiger Red every Sunday. Was that every Sunday, Tiger Red? Tiger Red, Red, oh my God! The stupidest things we did. That's what I love about. And I wanted to ask you this because, and maybe you've experienced this too, like knowing the teams. But the first organization you're with, for me, anyways, because I played with a few others, right? Not not overseas and in the U.S. Just the Mets as well. But um, it's just not the same once you move on. I don't know if that's because what you spoke about, right? You're young. You guys are just figuring it out together, so there becomes this like extra bond that happens. But once you move on from the first team, I'm not saying you don't make really good friends and lifelong friends. I'm sure you do, but it's certainly not as easy for some reason. And mm. it's got to be that it's got to be that growing up together, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and it's also in the minor leagues, right? The big leagues, like you said, it's a little bit different because there's just a lot more going on, a lot of families, a lot of things happening. You're older, but that youth that you have coming up through the minor leagues just creates creates bonds that like and stories that are just unforgettable
1: unforgettable that that is so true i that i i would agree i mean from the staff's perspective my first organization was the boston red Sox, and i was with them for five years and and growing getting close to the coordinators and the coaches because we wanted to be in the big leagues as well and so to support the minor league players and Obviously, the bus, tri- the bus trips and the hotels and the, the, some of those clubhouses—that that you're like, how is this a real professional clubhouse? <laughs> and uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You, some of my best friends are from from those days, that first organization, from a staff's perspective. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's
0: almost like you're you're going through the struggle together, yeah. especially at these early levels. You know, yeah, you have guys that sign for a lot of money and guys that are they're doing all right financially at these levels, but the majority of the guys on the team aren't, you know? And, and I'll bring up an example, Salvador Perez. He was, he was in Loway. I was in Burlington, Iowa with Salvador Perez, and I would let him use my car to go to Subway after BP every day. And he'd come back, get subs for him and the boys, the crew or whatnot. Salvador Perez got demoted from Lowe back to rookie ball. And I'll never forget going back to the hotel room with him, just him questioning whether or not he should still do this, why he's getting sent down, you know? I think i might be a little better than this guy but the organization see that so that's stuff that's like man you go way back in time and you see what he was going through at that point in time now you fast forward to today this guy's got seven all-stars seven silver sluggers seven gold captain. gloves he's the captain of the kansas city royals in my opinion is going to be a hall of fame catcher and people just know him from being in the big leagues now i will say the average Kansas City fan probably knows a lot about his minor league career because they go in depth and they are some of the greatest fans out there because they can really, really hone in on guys that are supposed to be the savior, the change in direction because they had a lot of losing going on. But to look at where Salvy's at now and reflect on that moment, it's insane. It really is insane. I mean, this guys he's gonna be a Hall of Fame catcher. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: What's really cool about that story that, that some people don't understand is is the fact that I, I don't know what it was like back what year was that
0: That was 2009
1: 2009 I don't know I don't know how good his his he came from another country what people don't realize is you play baseball in America here in the states high school you get drafted at high school you get drafted and then all of a sudden for the first time in your life you're playing with teammates who you can't communicate with mm-hmm. with from cultures and families and values that may be completely different and that's the thing I, that that I, those are amazing stories. It's one thing to be a teammate with someone who can speak your language, but to make an effort to be a great teammate with someone who doesn't speak your language, it's hard to communicate and they're away from their families. They haven't, they don't see their families for months. And so those are the the moments that I I love.
2: I can answer that question a little bit because I was with Salvi in extended spring training. He was 16 years old. I was 24, which both are, Fairly rare, right? Like you kind of have that in between there, extended mostly high school guys. But Salvi coming from Venezuela, isn't speaking much English. In fact, they provide English classes mm-hmm. for the Latin speaking guys, right? I would go to the English speaking class with them because I wanted to learn Spanish. So like I would help them learn English. And in doing so, I had to like hear what they were saying. So I would, I'd be like, oh, that's what this means. So I can tell you what that means. And we go back and forth. So Salvi did not know much. He was also a twig compared to what he is now. He was yeah. a bus. but. I mean, yeah, all the way back to 16 years old, trying to figure out even just how to speak the language. And then let's fast forward, I don't know, it's like 2008 or 10 or something, you know, a couple, that was seven, maybe it was like 2010. We're in the minor leagues in the backfield in spring training. I don't even know if you were there, you might've been up a little bit, but I think we're like on the double A field and we had teammate Jamie Romack, who's quite a clown. (laughs) Uh, Very, very witty and had a lot of funny jokes. But Salvi, when we do our stretches, you know we're lined up, You know, there's so many guys on the grass, like you know, six by six or whatever, there's a bunch of guys out there. And we do all the stretches from mobility stuff. But we're on the ground at the moment. So you're not looking at anybody, right? You're looking straight up in the air. And we're all like, I, I envision this from like a top down view. We're all just sitting there, you know, like cr- legs crossing over, like stretching out the back or whatever. And Salvi's saying something. And Salvi, sometimes you can't understand, right? Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> he speaks English. You know what he's saying most of the time, but you have to listen pretty hard. And like, again, we're not looking at each other. So you just hear him off in the distance, like yelling, they like speak, telling a story. And Jamie Romack yells out, Salvi, take the marbles out of your mouth. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing. If you know how he speaks, go back and watch a video. It's he's perfect.
0: Great. Salvi, to, we're calling him out, but Salvi, you'd be on the he show. He used to hit me up from the subway line, right? And yeah. he would just call me and I knew he was in line and he'd put the phone on speaker and I'd talk to the lady working and I'd say, hey, Meatball, he wants a meatball. And they're like, six inch or foot log? I'm like, look at him. He wants a foot log. Get him a meatball foot log. Boom. Every time, man, because that's, he didn't know, he didn't know how to say it.